You are listening to Mind at Work. I'm your host, Rui News. I sit down with executives and experts who share their stories and expertise around professional development. On this show, you'll hear practical advice on how to expand your career into one that you're both excited about and proud of. In this episode, my guest is AJ Wilcox, a LinkedIn ads pro who founded B2Link.com, a LinkedIn ad specific ad agency in 2014. He's an official LinkedIn partner, host of the LinkedIn ads show podcast, and is managed among the world's largest LinkedIn ad accounts worldwide. He's a ginger and triathlete. He and his wife live in Utah with their four kids and his company car is a wicked fast go-kart. In this episode, we talk about getting fired, starting a successful agency, imposter syndrome, and much more. I hope you enjoy the conversation. AJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Awesome, Rui. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for the invite. I feel like I see you on LinkedIn all the time. Your face pops up in my feed consistently. I wanted to start off with a, with a quick, lighthearted question. You know, what, did, what did you want to be when you, uh, when you grew up? While I was growing up, I loved basketball. Uh, Utah Jazz was my favorite team. I was like super into it when it was the Bulls versus the Jazz playoff that we got crushed. And so I, I wanted to be a basketball player uh, until my grandpa, he, he's no longer around, but I told my grandpa I wanted to be a basketball player. And he was like, you'll never be tall enough to be a basketball player. <laughs> and uh, so he kind of crushed my dreams. So let's kick it off a little bit here. Cause as you know, you know this discussion is gonna be very different from a lot of the other discussions that we typically see around the marketing space in terms of the, the dialogue, right? We're, we're not going to really go into tactics. We're not going to go into strategy. We're really going to talk more about you as the person and kind of what you've been able to achieve over this last little while. So why don't we start where I guess it all started and you, you know, you're at a pretty successful technology company and you're doing digital marketing at the time. And, and obviously, you know, we've heard the story, you know, you're kind of dumped LinkedIn ads on your plate and you made the most of it, which is unbelievable. And then there was this period where you decided to start an agency with LinkedIn ads. How did that come about? And was that an easy decision for you? Was it obvious? Yeah, it was not an easy decision. Uh, and part of the story I generally leave out is the reason that I left my previous company is I was fired. I was let go. And, uh, and it was unexpected. Uh, I was managing LinkedIn's largest spending account worldwide and suddenly let go. You know, I've got, at the time I had a, a wife at home with three kids and one on the way. And I had to go home with my box of stuff saying like, sorry, I failed as a breadwinner. <laughs> so not, not the, the proudest moment for sure. But even leading up to that, you know, before you get let go, uh, chances are you're unhappy and the employer's unhappy. I was, I was deeply unhappy. I wasn't loving my work anymore. And so I was thinking about, okay, what would my next steps be? And this thought just kept coming to me that was like, no one out there is talking about LinkedIn ads, but you know, having run the biggest account in the world, you have more experience here. Like maybe there's a spot in the market for that. And I've always had a lot of entrepreneurial interest, but never had the guts to actually like put it on the line and, and, and chase that. So what happened is I, I went home and I told my wife and I said, I, I had this idea, like we've talked about this before, a consultancy or an agency just about LinkedIn ads. And she said, that sounds real good, but I'd still prefer that you went and got a job. <laughs> so I went and applied for, for several jobs. I ended up just a couple weeks later with, with four offers. And two of the offers were for significantly more than I 
ever thought I would be making. So I was like, this is cool. And I know this is not a religious podcast, but we're, we're very religious people and we like to pray about our life choices and just make sure that what we're doing is right. And when I prayed about each of those job opportunities, I got a very specific, nope, turn it down. Nope, turn it down. And that was real hard for those two positions that were really like offering a lot of money. And kind of out of desperation, I was like, well, what about this idea that I've had about a LinkedIn ads agency? And the answer I got was, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Pursue that. So I like to call myself a, a uh, an unlikely entrepreneur because I never had the guts. The only reason that I actually did this is because I, I, felt, I felt prompted and guided to do it. It would not have happened on its own without some otherworldly help. <laughs> Everybody has whether it's spirituality, religion, whatever it is, somebody has an outlet or a way to be able to guide them to make these sorts of decisions. When you, so when you were going down that path, so you, 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 know, you took the time, you were praying, you were, you were looking for a sign as a way to make that decision. What was in the best interest of, of, of you as a person and, and what your future is, but also your family? That's risky right? Turning down what you alluded to significantly increased income, which was, you know, reliable to go and start B2Linked. How did you feel? Oh, it was so scary. And I always had doubts in the back of my mind. Like if I had come from learning more about LinkedIn ads than, than anyone out there, at least anyone that I'd seen, uh, I felt like it'd be such a waste to go in as a digital marketing manager somewhere to a company who, let's say you go into a company where LinkedIn ads isn't a good channel for them. It just feels like a total waste. So I always had that kind of eating at me with these job opportunities. But at the, and it was really scary at the time. I feel very differently now. But at the time, uh, I felt like, a, it was super safe to go with a, a job where you're just going to get the same paycheck every month. Now I feel like that's actually higher risk than doing your own thing. Um, just because I can't be fired <laughs> doing my own thing, but boy, I can sure get fired <laughs> by working for someone else. So it, it was, it was intensely scary, but one that looking back on it now, I'm so glad that that, that was the direction that I went. And was that, did that last for a while for you? Was there a lot of fear in, was it like a, a week? Was it a month, a year, two years, five years? Like how long was that? Yeah. When we decided to start it, my wife and I are very financially conservative. We're big savers. And so we looked at our bank account and said, all right, realistically, we've got like 11 months of runway here. We could chase this dream. And if we get to nine months and it just doesn't look like it's taking off or going anywhere, then let's give up and let's have you go look for a job. So we decided to put that, put our savings basically uh, in, into, into the runway to start the company. And I'm sure as you know, like the imposter syndrome is real. Everyone feels it, maybe unless you're a sociopath, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it was certainly there for me. I wondered from the very beginning, LinkedIn ads is such a tiny, unappreciated channel. Is there enough work there to actually support my family? I don't know. That's why we gave ourselves the runway. But it was by month five where I kind of went, oh, this is working. Like I can wipe the sweat off my brow and like stop worrying so much about it. And imposter syndrome is still there. I, I still find myself telling myself every day that like one of these days you're going to get found out. Someone's going to find out that you're not as good as you say you are or something like that. But I, I keep reassuring myself with successes. Every time someone shares something like, we worked with B2Linked and, uh, and this is amazing. We love what's, what they're doing. 
that's all of those are little affirmations that it's like quiet the the inner critic i can relate you know we've had discussion as well about imposter syndrome before and you know it affects me it affects a lot of us right it's so pervasive so do you have so you mentioned in your um as part of your imposter syndrome or the way you quell your imposter syndrome you you just remind yourself of these successes is there is there a specific process you go through? Is it more so like immediately before you're going to do something or is, is the imposter syndrome so pervasive that you can literally, you know, you can be watching something on TV or you can go for a walk and it just kind of pops up in your head. And how do you, how do you manage that? Like what are the specific steps you take? Yeah, it's a really good question. As a person, I am very divorced from my emotions. Uh, and I used to think that that was a strength. And uh, now in recent years where, you know, I've, I've started seeing a counselor and therapist and, and things, now I'm starting to understand the value of being in touch with your emotions. When you're feeling something negative, let that sit. Like, don't just push it away and look at a screen to get it to go away. Um, and so now I think I actually have the tools to start analyzing this, uh, which I don't know if it would have been good or bad if I, if I had those tools back when it was so strong right at the beginning, wondering if I was going to be able to provide for my family. But, you know, thank goodness we're in a position right now where the company is doing really well and i don't have the the worry in the back of my head like it's all going to crumble tomorrow i mean even at the beginning of covid when like we had 40 percent of our our accounts go on pause uh and i was like oh crap I, I still had this this realization that was like well don't worry even if there's no company left even if there's no revenue to pay employees uh you still have a brand you still have uh, understanding that people are going to need and you can grow it back. Like you can go back to managing all the accounts yourself. Um, so I, I think the fears have gone away as I've seen the success kind of outlast them. But, uh, but to answer your question directly, uh, I'm actually not sure, like I haven't put enough thought into when do these thoughts show up and how do you specifically deal with them? I do deal with a lot of negative thoughts and my answer to that right now is just listen to the thought, look at it objectively. Does it hold any value? Is it, is there some modicum of truth here or is this just fear? And if you can separate the value from the, the fear, you can divorce yourself from the fear. You just push it away and say, okay, I'm going to make this decision because here's the bit of truth. And even though it's scary, maybe there's fear either which way you choose, but objectively here's the best answer and i'm going to pursue it the best i can yeah that's great so that really reminds me of of um, the cbt or the cognitive behavioral therapy process right and, and i don't think it's for everybody but, it, but what you're what you're uh, explaining is is very similar but i think that's great i think you're you're potentially doing it subconsciously because you know that's what makes you feel good which is you know it's really neat but to bring it back it just goes to show the human element right like we even it doesn't matter how much success you have and, and it doesn't matter um, how fast you're growing it's and it doesn't matter what the optics might look like like everybody deals with a lot of these issues right and, and they're very common they're very pervasive so i think it's a it's actually a a good segue to the next question public speaking is something that you do very frequently right now in, in some context this is public speaking right does that come easy to you Ooh, excellent question um it doesn't come easy I, i'm still very nervous stepping on a stage, but um, there's this system that that we use a lot in our company. It's called the Drive Sales System, and we don't use it as a sales system. We use it as like a like an introspective tool. 
and what it does, it's it's by it's by a man named Woody Woodward, who's you know multi-author, serial entrepreneur. Uh, he's incredible. I like to call him a friend. And um, as part of this system, you can break down each kind of personality into five uh, zones, like five different types. And I only started to realize this when I, I kind of took this test, this quiz to find out where I am. Uh, I'm really embarrassed to say, but my driver, the thing that motivates me is uh, it's respect, it's uh, credibility, it's um, it praise even. And that feels really terrible to say, like it makes me seem really vain. But early on in my career, when I was, uh, I called myself a search engine optimization pro, um, I would look at marketers like Rand Fishkin on stage, and I just had this this feeling that was like, I want to be him when I grow up. Like, I want to be on stage. I want to share things that people find valuable. I want applause. And um, so, even though it's re it's really scary to step on stage, I just knew that that was one of my goals. One of the things I was willing to sacrifice the temporary pain for. And sure enough, first time I. I hopped on stage, man, I wish I had video. Like I was probably a mess. It was a, uh, a conference in Vegas. And then, then there was a conference in London that I went all the way to London for on my own dime when I didn't have any cash coming in uh, to start the speaking engagements because I felt like it was so important. And uh, I would say the big fear I had of being on stage is that someone would call me out and be like, liar, or like, no, that's, that's not true. I I heard it a different way and then discredit me. But once I'd been on four or five stages and realized that that didn't happen and had all these people coming up afterwards saying, thanks, you saved me. Like my account's in such a better place because of what you shared. Um, then it, it made me more confident when I go on stage. And now I don't even feel apprehension when I step on. I just know that once I get past my prepared intro, I know this stuff. Like I can, I can talk about LinkedIn ads in my sleep. And so the information is going to start coming out and I don't even have to worry about like, what am I thinking and what comes next? It's, it's natural, but in preparing for it, it sure makes sense to have a, uh, make sure you are an expert on the topic and get enough practice that it stops being so crazy just to step on stage. How much practice do you put in usually before you get on stage? It depends on the presentation. Um, I have, basically two presentations that I give. The first is like a basics of LinkedIn ads because most people don't know LinkedIn ads and so they need the basics. And then I have an advanced one. Uh, anytime I go to prevent to present the basics, I've given it, I mean, literally three or 400 times probably. So uh, it, it's, it's second nature. I don't need to practice. Um, the advanced one I do need to practice a little bit, especially intros and outros. What we take away from there is, you know, public speaking initially, significant lift, right? It took you a lot of effort, a lot of, you know, self-talk and getting past that again, which ties back to the imposter syndrome, right? It goes back to the fact that you don't want to be, you know, told that you don't know what you're doing and it's a knock on our egos. And, you know, obviously nobody likes to feel like that. And, and there's one point specifically you mentioned, which is praise. And I feel like you were a little hesitant or you felt a little guilty bringing that up. Which is interesting because I feel as it, in, I guess the way I interpret it is more so validation and less so praise, right? You want validation that the work you're doing is, is important, it's valuable, you're contributing something, and it makes you feel good, right? Like everybody loves the feeling of being told what they're doing is right or, or, or is valuable. 
I want validation. I want to be able to be told that I'm doing a good job. And I think it's inherent to us as kids too, when we grew up and it's like, you know, we're always either told do something, don't do something. I think we're just kind of, you know, now we're in our adult life. We're like, yeah, we still want that. And I guess some people want it more so than others, but I just wanted to touch on that one a little bit, but I think it's completely natural to want that validation or to seek that validation in moderation, I guess. The next one here that I wanted to go into is around your personality. And you've probably heard this in terms of how positive you are, how upbeat you are, your demeanor, like constantly every time either I see you or even the, you know, the few times we've had conversations, you're constantly positive. Like you're always upbeat. You're always good. Now, I'm sure that's not always the case. <laughs> I'm sure there's times where you get, you know, you get knocked on your ass and you try to like figure things out and obviously you go through your own stuff. How do you deal with those situations? Uh, I came out of the womb pre-caffeinated. Um, I'm, I'm not a coffee drinker or anything like that. Uh, I've just always had this level of energy and I just I can't get it out. Uh, I, as we were talking, I'm, I'm walking on a treadmill desk because getting out, like physical expenditure of energy is so important so I don't just explode. <laughs> uh, but I'm also just naturally a very optimistic person. And I mean, even when things are hard, my thought is always, okay, this is going to get better or so I don't really have self-talk or any sort of like an exercise I go through on that one. Uh, I, I would call that it's a double-edged sword uh, on most of the time. I'd say it's very positive. The negative side is I've, I've been like cheated, ripped off, taken advantage of so many times because I am an optimist and a salesperson says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing. Let's, let's do it. And then of course, like I've been oversold. So yeah, you, every positive trait can also have a negative <laughs> yeah and, and do you do, like when you do get like for example you said you get when you get cheated over something or when you get screwed over for something do you dwell do you dwell on it how does what's your reaction i'll give an example a couple of years ago um so i'm really into anything that goes fast i love go-karts and exotic cars and um anything with an engine and i i found a mechanic who who claims to be able to build dune buggies from scratch. And I was like, this is amazing. I mean, he's not charging me very much and he's going to build my dream vehicle. This is so cool. And he essentially took, I won't say the number, but it was a lot of money to me where I, I put a, a motorcycle engine on it. So I had to buy the motorcycle and, and, you know, cannibalize the engine out of it, transmissions from things. Anyway, like a lot of money. And this is probably four or five months. And he just, he wasn't hitting deadlines. He wasn't sending me pictures of it. He was actually out of state. And little did I know, he was taking all of the money I was sending him and buying meth with it. <laughs> and of course things weren't getting done. He was taking, he ended up like, not only did he steal all my stuff and my money and spend it on drugs, but he sold all my stuff. And the police had to go in like, track down who bought it and repossess it. Anyway, that was a, it was a sore spot for a long time. Like, I'm very trusting and, and I'm very authentic. And so when I deal with someone who has taken advantage of that, it's really hard to forgive. And it's, it's taken years to get to a point where I can kind of laugh at the situation. But uh, yeah, I, I want to be someone who forgives a little faster. Gotcha. I, look, you know what, even the fact that you're talking about this right now and not just throwing your water bottle across the room, I think is progress, which is always a good sign, right? <laughs> I don't think anybody would want, would be able to be as calm as you are having that discussion of being ripped off so much. <laughs> so I think those are great, great points. Now, I want to ask you a few other ones that are relatively unrelated 
um, and kind of off the cuff type of questions. I think they're important, they're valuable, and I think people could really benefit from knowing how you can go through your own processes and, and get things done. Learning, right? A lot of things happening, obviously, on the LinkedIn ad front. Obviously, there's always stuff coming up, but just in general, including LinkedIn, what's your process for learning new things? Do you have a methodology you follow? Do you do it a certain time of day? Do you write things down or type them out? Like, what do you, how do you do that? Yeah, I, I was a, I got okay grades as a student, but I worked far too hard. Um, I, I just, as a person, I wouldn't call myself very smart. I probably don't have an incredible IQ. Um, so what I do is I try to spend time and, and work on things to make up for that lack of it just coming naturally. The, the example I'd share here is I'm a, I'm a big runner. I love I love endurance sports. And so several years back, this is probably 10 years ago, I would go on a five to 10 mile run every morning and I would always bring my iPod and put it on shuffle. And one morning I just said to myself, I'm hearing Rihanna for like the 30th time and I'm not getting anything out of it. This is just a total waste of my time. And so I switched to audiobooks and I said, hey, if I'm gonna be using this time anyway, I might as well learn something. And then now that's migrated to podcasts because you can get so many more like bite-sized chunks uh, on so many different subjects. And so I listen to podcasts at two and a half times speed. I, I cram as much as I can. I'm, I'm subscribed to like 40 podcasts and I can never keep up. But my process for learning is really like the times where I wouldn't be doing something, just dead time, that's a good learning time. I'm also just naturally a person who I'm never happy with what I know. I, I want to keep digging. Whatever I'm into, I want to become an expert on it. Uh, so I think that's helped me out naturally. But I would say anyone who maybe doesn't have that, uh, subscribe to podcasts who, who cover a lot of different topics or read a bunch of different books. And over time, you'll find the stuff that really excites you and maybe that'll help you want to go deeper and want to keep learning about things. Are there any specific podcasts or books you'd, you'd recommend for people to get started? Yeah, my, my favorite is it's the Jordan Harbinger show. If anyone knows him, he's, it's basically self-help, but it's like anti-self-help. Uh, he just, he, he interviews all kinds of people from astronauts to military advisors to, I mean, just all kinds of different subjects and basically helps you improve as a person. Uh, I also really like Star Talk. Uh, it's, an, it's an astronomy part podcast by Neil deGrasse Tyson, and it's, it's funny, and I learn about stars and physics, which is cool, and a whole bunch of other examples, but those are probably two uh, varied ones that are a good example. Taking it from there, obviously, one of the things that we, talk, we spoke about uh, early on is around organization. Uh, I think the comment you made is that your calendar is gold. Now... Is that your primary source of organization? How do you keep how do you keep your busy schedule organized? Yeah, yeah. Uh, my calendar is is gospel, and that's the only way I can stay organized. Because uh, my answer to organization is hire people who are better organized than you. Because <laughs> I can't do it. I'm literally I work off of a to do list that is just a big giant Evernote that's three hundred pages long, and I add something to the top when it needs to be done, and then push it to the bottom when it's done. Um, but I figured out very early on in business that uh, it's very difficult for, for me mentally to make appointments with people. Like 
uh, when I've got three clients who say, hey, let's hop on a call. When are you available? That's really mentally taxing for me. So about six years ago, I found Calendly. And there's a whole bunch of apps like this. You don't have to go with Calendly. Uh, but it was a total game changer for me because I could send the link to two people and, and just say, grab whatever time's convenient. And then when I show up in the morning, there's no like, go and uh, find times and end up double booked and saying, oh, we missed that. How about next week? It's just my calendar is full of appointments. And, uh, and so I just show up to work and, I, and my to-do list is just hop on whatever call is there. I'm sure I could do better at like leaving space in the day to, to get actual work done. But yeah, I, I have to live by my calendar. Do you have a VA? Yeah. How do you find that? I, I think it's been great. I've, I've actually been working with her for about a year and she doesn't do much with my schedule. Like she'll pick out of emails when someone says, Hey, would this time work? And she can go and book that. But I pretty much let Calendly do most of that. And I have her doing things like helping me figure out which emails are, are important to respond to and helping me surface what LinkedIn messages need to be responded to and that kind of stuff. One other thing that I wanted to talk about is mentorship. And I think this is something that's widely discussed. I think there's some different views on this. Um, some people believe, obviously, if you're, if you're a mentor, you need to figure out how you're going to make time for people, whether or not people are going to actually listen to your you know, recommendations. And then that's, you know, it's, it could be exhausting. And as a mentee, you're, you know, you have to figure out who should I listen to? Who's actually going to help me? Uh, and there's probably undoubtedly a lot more mentees than mentors out there. And some people rely on books instead of people and actually say that they've probably learned the most amount through books or, or media uh, in order to help their group. What's your perspective on it? Did you have a mentor that helped you get to where you are? Yeah, I, as a combination of me being an extrovert and like I talked about being someone who who loves recognition, being a mentor was always something that was just really attractive to me. Like, like I love people and I want to be helpful. I want to be useful. I want to see people's lives change because of the effect I've had on it. So immediately, I mean, as soon as I started learning about digital marketing, I just wanted to share what I was learning with everyone. So yeah, I was trying to be a mentor before I was like even worth listening to. But early on, I had two friends that they were big thinkers. They were just natural entrepreneurs. And when I would hang out with them, I would just get this feeling of the world is so much bigger. There's so much more opportunity than what you're, you're making in your, your, in your small mind. And so having just these friends, I wouldn't even call mentors at the time because we were kind of at the same station in life, but just having influences around you that helped you think big was really useful for me. And then I ended up starting a hiking group just because a, he was my boss's boss at the time who's just ended up, I mean, he's like, basically the father of, of digital marketing in the state of Utah. He's really well-respected. He was the CMO of Purple, the mattress company. And uh, I just, I treasured every Saturday when we would go hiking. And then when it snowed, we'd do, we'd try to do the same hike, but just with snowshoes instead. So that's really where I pulled from those sources. And I wouldn't call it necessarily like, it was more friendship than it was mentorship, but I certainly got a lot out of it. And now I look for any opportunity to share I can. I mean, the same reason you've got a podcast, I've got a podcast, and I want to be a mentor to anyone who's got a podcast player. My employees, I have an employee who's leaving here in the next couple of weeks, and like I'm, I, I coached him to leave. It, it hurts to lose an employee. It's so hard to replace them. But as his mentor, I was telling him, this is the best thing for your career. Like, it's time for you to, to move up and move on. 
So anyway, I'm big on mentorship. I'm terrible at reading books because my ADHD is just like, I read the same line four times in a row and still don't get it. So I try to get it from people, but podcasts also helps quite a bit. Yeah, I, I love the point you made about mentoring somebody to leave the company or guiding that you're perp- you're like you're pushing them out for all the right reasons, <laughs> which is unbelievable. I think people feel a bit of discomfort around that idea, right? The idea that look, this person is so valuable that I can't risk losing them, and it's I believe this is a pretty selfish view, uh, thinking about somebody else's career, right? Whereas you need to really think about how do I help this person grow? Because if you have the confidence in yourself as a manager or as a mentor, you know that you could theoretically nurture somebody else into a similar role because you have the capability to hire effectively, mentor and coach effectively. Do do you have any thoughts on like why people are so reluctant to see other people's success when it goes to leaving their own company? I think because if you are self-centered and I don't blame anyone for feeling this because I certainly feel it, there's the only thing you see is pain. I have an employee that for the last three plus years I've invested into to make, to turn into a worldwide expert. And he's, he's an incredible performer. And to watch that person leave, to realize that whoever we replace him with is going to take a lot of training. Uh, it's, we're going to, we're going to lose something with him leaving. I think that's enough of a, a stick <laughs> to be like, all right, I don't want that to happen. But early on in my career, uh, someone took a chance on me. I was a uh, about to graduate in marketing with no digital experience. And someone gave me an internship and taught me search engine optimization and Google ads and how to build websites. And it changed my, my whole career fundamentally. Like without this person, I would not be where I am today. So I realized as an employer, when I'm going and giving people these opportunities, I can teach anyone to do this stuff. Like it's not hard with enough time and attention and, and hunger, but I would much rather give that opportunity to someone who wants to make a career of this, who's passionate. They, they want to make a dent in the world rather than just take anyone who's just looking for an internship or passively interested in advertising. Do you, are you, are you able to quickly discern between those people? Can you, do you know who's who? Yeah. What I look for, and this isn't the perfect guide, but during the interview, I ask them if they have any side projects, if there's anything that they work on in their free time, doesn't have to be related at all to LinkedIn ads, doesn't have to be related to digital marketing. But I want to see that someone is not, uh, they're not content with their life as life is being handed to them. They, they are constantly striving for more. And that person, uh, nine times out of 10, is going to be someone who is hungry and passionate and that's the kind of person that i want when they're speaking from a stage someday to say they got their start with b2 like yeah i I think that mentality is is unreal like the fact that you can go in and 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 be confident enough to you know obviously you know it hurts when your best performers leave and and obviously hurts the business it hurts you a little bit too but to 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 kind of help them progress in their own career and, and and ultimately get them to look back and say hey look aj he helped me. Like if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to take, and that, I think that feeling alone, that probably makes you feel a lot better than, than bringing on a net new client. Like just seeing, getting that sensation of like somebody's growth and, and seeing them move on is just an unbelievable feeling. Last question for you here. We're bringing out the crystal ball. 
So we spoke about your past, you know, you know, 10 or so years. We talked about, you know, your transition from digital marketing into uh, starting B2 White. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years looking back? Oh, uh, this is a tough one because I'm really happy with where I've gotten in life. And I could have never predicted I would have been here. Like there's so many pivots and turns and, and unexpected uh, events that got me to where I am. So I have to imagine that there's going to be similar unexpected events happening in the future as well. Uh, in the back of my mind, I, I, I have this idea. I have hitched my entire company's wagon, my entire livelihood uh, to LinkedIn ads. And it's totally possible. I mean, that's obviously a dangerous position. It's totally possible LinkedIn tomorrow could just say, hey, we don't want to support an ads platform anymore. We're shutting it down and I'm out of business. So I, for the last six years, I've had that in the back of my mind, like, like be ready for anything because you've put all of your eggs in one basket. So, I mean, I've, I told you I've got ADHD. Like I've never been happy to sit still. And uh, if you look at my resume, it's, it's, it reflects that. It's like I bounce from company to company every year and a half to two years. And I have very little attention for once I've plateaued, I've learned as much as I can, it's time to move on. But I don't feel that with my own company. There, there must be something like a certain amount of variety that I get every day by, by running a company. I've been doing this for six years and I still love it. I'm still excited every single day. So I think I want to keep doing this for as long as I can. I want to grow the agency. I want to make a bigger difference. I want to take on more and more high profile clients and manage bigger ad accounts. And I hope that, you know, over the course of the next 10 years that happens, but I'm also going to be ready for in case something changes. I mean, maybe there's a competitor to LinkedIn or, or some other great business to business way of targeting. And maybe we adopt that as well. So I don't know. I'm sticking around for the, the expected future and I might retire the day I die. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a good approach, right? You found something that worked, you double down on it, and then you're going to still be a bit nimble. So that you know that uh, you know if we do need to either pivot or adopt something that's new that you see a good opportunity and you're you're ready to go and and kudos to you because I think you found the recipe that works right like you figured it out and I think now it's just a matter of the input like the the framework is there it's just what is the input that's going to essentially help you scale into something else when you do decide if that is an option for you so so where can people find you AJ. If anyone's interested in LinkedIn ads, definitely listen to the podcast. It's the LinkedIn ads show. You do a search for just LinkedIn ads in your podcast player and you'll see a, a smiling chubby ginger waving at you. That, uh, I'm easy to find there. Alternatively, if you go to our website, b2linked.com, if you fill out the form on any of those pages, uh, you'll just like, we're all LinkedIn ads experts. We don't have a sales team right now. So you just go, you'll be working with an expert from day one. And of course on LinkedIn, just make sure that you send a customized connection request saying that you heard me on Rui's show. That way I, I know to accept it because I, I don't accept invites unless I know who they're from. But I'd love to connect with you and answer any questions you've got there too. I, I probably link that podcast from a marketing perspective more than any other podcast that I link. Uh, I share, you know, I share it to my own team members too, for them to listen to. And they probably, you know, once this thing goes out on LinkedIn and there's a comment, I'm sure that they'll probably comment and talk about how, you know, they apply some of the practices that you, that you teach and testing practices, et cetera, and their own processes, which is fantastic. So definitely check that out. AJ, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're an amazing human being. I'm sure everybody agrees. Uh, the work that you've been doing is phenomenal. The amount of value you deliver in the market every single day 
is unreal and, and I think is unparalleled to a lot of the other people that are out there delivering value because you literally just give everything away for free. Yeah, and you're, you're an unbelievable human being. So I appreciate you being on here. Well, and thank you for being the same way. Just giving this podcast is a great example of you putting value out into the world. So thank you for being someone else that we can listen to and just get nonstop value every time. Awesome. Thanks, AJ. Party on. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find all of the references made in the episode in the show notes. If you're a fan of the show and enjoyed the episode, don't forget to like and share if you're listening on social media or subscribe if you're on YouTube or your preferred podcast platform. I love to hear feedback, so don't hesitate to reach out if you have any suggestions for the show or questions. You can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter under the handle I am Rui Nunes. Until next time, keep growing.